Hello friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue, actually as we wrap up and finish our series Beyond Sunday, how to live out our faith beyond Sunday to Monday through Saturday. And I hope that if this maybe is the first time you're clicking on this, that you'll go back and listen to this series. There's two parts to this. There's the live class that I taught that I put on the podcast each Sunday, kind of like this one that you just clicked on. And then on Thursdays for this series alone, I've done something called After Class, and I will do one of those again after this one will be the final one. But I hope that uh, you'll go back and listen to this series. It is a series that I believe is important for every Christian. I believe it's, it's, it's foundational for the Christian life and how do we live the Christian life after we're saved and before we get to heaven. And I have absolutely loved studying this series. It's been a conviction to me. I've loved teaching it our class in the live session. If you're missing the live sessions, you're missing out. They listen very well, and uh, I've really been enjoying it. But I'm glad that you are listening on the podcast, and I hope that it's a help to you. And you'll go back and, and listen over these again, or if you have missed some, go back, because every lesson kind of builds on each other, helping us see here's how we live the Christian life, what the Bible says. And this week we finished in Second Peter, and we're going to see what Peter says about everything we've been talking about. And then he gives us a final, I want to get all the way to the last verse. I love this verse talking about our entrance into heaven. So you'll know because of what I just said there, you'll know when it comes up. It's a great verse. So without further ado, let's get into the final lesson of this wonderful series, Beyond Sunday. All right, let's go to Second Peter's where we're going to start. Second Peter chapter 1. As we recap this, and I do want to recap. I want to kind of give what I did for the first five weeks, and I want us to review so we kind of remember where we are, and I'm going to say it. I'm going to go through it kind of in story format to kind of keep it quick, and I've got our posters back up here today for the last one because one is just great artistic work, uh, but number two, I want you to see where we are, all right? we You remember that we in this series, we've been saying that after salvation... We begin this journey of faith called sanctification. Sanctification is a term that you may not hear as much in church. A lot of pastors will go by a different name. They may not say sanctification. They may talk about growing in your faith. They may talk about biblical change. There's other synonyms that they may give, but the but it is, if you're trying to think theologically, what is that term? It is sanctification. It's the time after salvation and before death, before heaven, when I am supposed to be growing in my faith. The goal of this journey is to become more like Jesus Christ. We have said in this series that true biblical change is not just a relief from symptoms, meaning the bad things go away and now I'm all of a sudden a godly person or seemingly it's not just a relief from your symptoms, but it's actually becoming like Jesus Christ. And we gave that early illustration of the teabag illustration, not original with me, original, I don't know if it's original Jim Berg either, but uh, the, the teabag illustration that um, when, when the hot water situations come, what's inside is going to come out. That's, that's, that's the reality of it, and that shows us areas that we need to work on. That shows us areas we need the biblical change. We need to be sanctified. We need the Spirit's help. And speaking of the Holy Spirit, the person that's bringing about this change in our lives in this sanctification process is the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. You receive the Holy Spirit here at salvation. 
He and your relationship with him will determine how sanctification goes. If you totally forget from the day that you're saved till the day that you die that you have the Holy Spirit, sanctification process is going to probably be pretty rough in your life. You're going to be dominated by your flesh. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, convicted and not afraid to be convicted. Some of us, we try to avoid pain, but conviction is actually good for us. And biblical change is not just a relief from symptoms. It's the Spirit of God making us more like Christ. He will be bringing about the change. So what is my role then? Well, we have the role of the responsibility of obedience in faith. I have to respond in obedience, to obedience to everything the Bible says. And so I got to know what the Bible says. In this sanctification process, I probably better learn what the Bible says. Some of us may have 50 to 75 years to learn and to grow in this. Some of us get saved later and you only have a few. But our responsibility is to obey what we know and we do obey it in faith. Faith is the trigger. Faith is the power. Just like when I got saved, I didn't get saved because of something I did. I got saved because I couldn't do and I cried out in faith, and he did everything for me. Sanctification is realizing I can't live this Christian life. So I cry out to God, and he empowers me to obey and to live out by faith. So obedience by faith, trust and obey is a psalm that we sing. I trust God, and I obey based on the trust that I have that he's going to help me to live out the Christian life. So it's my obedience and faith combined with the Holy Spirit's empowering that brings about the change and we gave an illustration of a plow and uh, we talked about how you want to go out to plow a field if i grab that plow it's not not going to be effective i don't have the ability to do it but i hook it up to a tractor i plow the field yet not i but i abided in the tractor and the christian life is yes i'm growing to be like christ yet not i but christ liveth in me as i abide in him he brings about the change in my life. The Spirit of God will help you. So that's why, catch yourself. Be sensitive to this in the last series. Catch yourself in your Christian life when you start saying, well, I just can't do, whoa. When you say can't, immediately think Holy Spirit. I can't get rid of this worry. Ah, Holy Spirit. Yes, you can. That's the fruit of the Spirit. I can't deal with this person. Yep, yes, you can, because the Holy Spirit. So what just... Start figuring out that that can't word needs to be questioned every time. Every time you go to say it, question it. Wait, I maybe can't, but does God require me to do what I'm saying I can't do? If God requires me to do what I say I can't do, that means the Holy Spirit's going to kick in when I just obey, when I just trust him. So, Holy Spirit, um, I need to trust in that. Now, the journey of faith, though, is not going to be easy. We've talked about this in the, this series so far. It sounds good to this point, but we have some enemies on our journey of faith that are going to try to halt our progression, stop our progression, discourage us from growing. And those three enemies are Satan, the puppet master, I would say, behind everything. He is the defeated enemy. We have the world that's our outer enemy. The world is just functions underneath Satan's authority. The world is just the world. It is corrupt. It is wicked. It is tempting. It is everything. And then we have the internal traitor that we've really focused on in this series, the flesh. And the flesh abides within us, that old nature. Now, the flesh is no match for the Holy Spirit. But the problem is the Holy Spirit will not overrule our choice. 
our free will. Sometimes we just choose the flesh. And I've tried in this series to get all of us to be sensitive to when we choose the flesh. I want the flesh to be so obvious when we walk out of here on Monday that when we are in the flesh, we know it. And we just hate the flesh. We know it. And we just hate the flesh. And so the flesh is the internal traitor. He's tempted by the world. He's discouraged by Satan. He's tempted by Satan. He's manipulated by Satan. But he is defeated. All of these enemies, the good news is, is defeated. Because when you and I have an attitude of humility and we claim our new position in Jesus Christ, none of these enemies can touch us. That's the great news. But unfortunately, a lot of times we're not humble. We're full of pride. And a lot of times we don't claim our position in victory in Christ. We claim our desires for that flesh because they are there. Sometimes we do want to lust and sometimes we, we do want to be a glutton and sometimes we do want to worry and sometimes we do want to. And so we choose the flesh, but we can see victory. So our if we're going to defeat the flesh, we've got to have an attitude of humility. We've got to claim our new position in Christ and by faith obey him. Now, how are we going to know God? We've got to be disciplined. And we talked about this one week. Remember, all I'm doing is going down through what we've talked about this so far. When we talked about how you've got to be disciplined, we've got to meditate on the word of God. Reading the word of God is not necessarily going to make the difference. It's meditating upon the word of God. God promises to, to bless and to prosper Bible meditators. In, in Psalm chapter 1, Joshua chapter 1, he says, meditate upon the word of God. Meditate is more than just read it. Meditate means I'm going to read it, yes. I'm going to maybe memorize it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to study it. It's going to constantly be on my mind. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. It's one of the ways the Holy Spirit works is he, met, he brings up the verses that I've been studying, that I've been thinking about. So right now, if, I, if I'm not going to do it, but if I were to say to you, what have you been meditating on this week from the Word of God? Could you take me back to, maybe not everyone, but could you take me back to one or two days this week when you read something, you're like, oh, I remember, boom, this statement. I remember this statement. Ryan and I were talking at the IU game, or I think, or we were somewhere, and uh, he made a statement, or I made a statement, and it reminded me of something I read and wrote down this week. And I said, yeah, I wrote down something this week, and this is what I wrote from Joshua I'm reading. I said something about how walking in faith doesn't negate wise actions. So you can walk in faith. You can't say, well, I'm walking in faith, so I can just do whatever I want. No, you still need wise actions. And I wrote that down after studying something in Joshua. And, it, and so his conversation brought that to my to my. To my memory. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. It wasn't like I was sitting there going, oh, I hope Ryan says something so I can bring out Tuesdays. No, it's just the Spirit of God brings things to, to your remembrance, but he's got to be drawing from a well that's been filled. You've got to be, you've got to spend some time in the Word of God. So this journey of faith also, and the final point I'll make before I get into to why I picked uh, why we led to Second Peter today. This journey of faith is led. This whole journey right here of sanctification is led by promptings of the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we grieve Him. When, he, when we tell Him no, we quench Him. We confess our sin, He'll forgive us. But the entire sanctification process, and this is why I say, if you don't ever sense the Holy Spirit, we got some, there may be some reason for concern, is the Holy Spirit will be prompting you, do this, don't do this. 
encourage this person, stay away from here. It's constantly the promptings. You're never going to hear an audible voice from the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen. If you think you did, you ate or drank something bad, all right? You probably, you didn't hear him, but you will sense the Holy Spirit. You will. And that is part of the sanctification process. So today in this final message in this series, I wanted to show us really what does living beyond Sunday, what will it do for your life? And I don't want you to just take my word for it. We've heard what Paul had to say. We've been in Galatians. We've been as Galatians several times. We've been throughout this and we've listened to what Paul has to say. But maybe you sit there, and I know this class wouldn't, but I probably would. So maybe you sit there and say, yeah, but that's Paul. He's like one of the greatest Christians ever. I would remind you, though, remember in Romans 7, Paul said, hey, and I'm paraphrasing, the things that I want to do, I'm just not doing. And the things that I would do or I shouldn't do, I find myself doing so I kind of can relate to Paul there, but maybe we say, that's Paul, though. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He's like the super Christian. All right, well then, today to close this out, I want us to hear from Peter. I think we can all identify with Peter, right? Remember, Peter's the one that, he's one that, I think he clearly understood he needed to grow. He rushed ahead instead of waiting. He was the guy that slept instead of prayed. He was the one that talked when he should have listened. He was the one that uh, said he was courageous, but really he was careless. I mean, this, Peter was a guy that messed up a lot, all right? And I think you're at least looking at a guy that messes up a lot. I got a feeling I'm looking at some people that have messed up a time or two in their sanctification process. So Peter was a guy that understands the flesh. He understands getting ahead of God. And so what does he have to say? I absolutely love Second Peter chapter 1. I'm not going to, I want to get to a verse that is a verse that I said to someone this week. I said, I don't think I ever hear people preach on this verse. And it's a great verse. And we're going to get there at the end. But let's start at the beginning. And we're, we're listening to Peter just talk. And I'll give you, I'll get ahead a little bit of myself and let you see that Peter's actually at the end of his life. He's at the end of his life and he's writing. And I'll show this to you at the very, very end. But he's at the end of his life and he's just writing to Christians what is on his heart. You know, if you're on your, the end of your life and you're kind of lucid, you're going to be writing some, you're going to be talking about something that is important to you. You're not going to care that the Colts can't score a touchdown at the end of your life, probably. It's not going to matter, okay? They're going to be talking about things that matter. So look at what he says, Second Peter chapter 1, let's just begin. He begins by opening with the, with the phrase of his name, Simon Peter, which I find interesting that he even refers to Simon because Simon was his name before Jesus changed it. Simon was the, the fisherman's name. And I taught children this week on Wednesday, and I was talking about the names. He called himself Simon. And that's when he was called to ministry. He was the, just the fisherman. He was the man full of his flesh. But that's Simon Peter. He refers to himself that, and he says, A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to, here's who he's writing to, to them who have obtained like precious faith with us, through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he's writing to people in this category right here, that you've been saved. He said, I'm writing to people that have obtained like precious faith, salvation, faith. But notice how he said it's through the righteousness, not of us. And I'm not going to teach on salvation today, but he says righteousness of God. How do we get the righteousness of God? Through our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a great picture of the gospel if you ever want to teach that. The only way we can obtain precious faith is through righteousness, but we don't have any. But Jesus' righteousness got placed on our account. That's just verse 1. Verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God 
and of Jesus our Lord. I'll come back to that word knowledge in verse 3 because he says this, according as his divine power. Now, what would be divine power that is with us throughout our whole sanctification process? That'd be the Holy Spirit. Divine, Holy Spirit's God. Power, we've been talking about it. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. So according as his divine power has given freely, uh, so I'm adding the word freely there, but that's what we think of given, something when you give, has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Well, what is godliness? That's living like God. We, if we want to have eternal life, the Spirit of God gives us salvation. If we want to have godliness in this sanctification process, we have the divine power. So he's talking, so I, I'm, I'm outlining a few things that I've already reviewed, but we're saying he's talking about this time right here now. He says we've got this divine power that's going to allow us to have life, eternal life, and godliness. How? But look at this phrase, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. This word knowledge is a good word that I don't want to get too sidetracked on, but I have to say this because it, it does kind of come to our wrap-up. The word knowledge here is more than just an acquaintance. You know, what I've tried to emphasize throughout this whole study is for you to have a knowledge. This word knowledge means to experience. When you experience something, you trust it. it some of you, um, I've given this illustration. I've never seen the Grand Canyon. So do I know that the Grand Canyon's really out there? I don't know. I've not really experienced it. I'm going to take others' word. How many in here has been to the Grand Canyon? So you've experienced it. So you guys can speak about the Grand Canyon from what you've experienced. You have a greater knowledge of it. You've experienced it. I've not. So if I sit up here and try to explain the Grand Canyon to you, I'm just going off a little bit of what I know. Big hole. Big hole. There you go. That would probably be my definition of it. I don't know because I've never been there. But when you experience something, it does take a whole new level. But here's what I'm saying in this series to you this, this year. Experience the Holy Spirit experience true sanctification experience true change in your life when you start to see this it's not it's it's going to wow you to the point where you want to continue it when you really see when you really get into the bible and, and god speaks to your heart and you meditate on it and the spirit of god starts to bring that back and you experience it it's not a weird thing you're saying wow that is amazing i've experienced something now that i want to continue in my life and when you pray and you see God answer, you say, wow, God has answered prayer. And experiencing answered prayer is a wonderful thing that motivates you to say, I want to keep praying. When you're convicted of the Holy Spirit, at first you're not going, wow, this is amazing. I'm feeling convicted of the Holy Spirit. You're like, wow, oh, this is miserable. But then when you confess it and get it right and you feel that peace, you think, wow, oh, this is amazing. But what is it? It's an experience. You're experiencing the actual Christian life take place. A lot of people talk about a Christian life, and I'm not saying they're not saved, but they haven't really experienced the Holy Spirit working in their lives. And I'm not saying that in a charismatic way where you have to receive the Holy Spirit. You already have him, you're just ignoring him, or I already have him, and I'm just ignoring him. The Spirit of God is there. But we need to, we need to through the knowledge, we're going to grow in godliness, it says, through the knowledge, through experiencing him, Jesus, that called us in the, to glory and virtue. He says, whereby... Are given unto us. Now I said here in verses three and four, I, I didn't get to my outline, but first here, what Peter is doing, he's just going to review the promises of salvation. 
He's reviewing, like I did in the opening, the promises of salvation. In verse 4, he goes, he says, Whereby we are give, there's given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, boy, there's just too much in here. Okay, I've got to get through this. But watch, you and I have precious promises. That's all I've been giving you for nine weeks. If all of this stuff was just maybe, then we, we're leaving here thinking, I don't know. We've seen promises where he says, walk in the spirit. And then what? Ye shall not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's a promise. You can take that promise that if you choose to walk in the spirit, that's a choice, then you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is a promise that you can hold on to. It's a conditional promise, but it is a promise. And he says, and that's just one in the Bible. Of all the Bible, he says, we are given exceeding great precious promises so what do we do with them? That by these, ye, put your name in there, might be partakers. That means we can share, be a part of, there it is again, the divine nature. So of all these promises, help me to realize all the divine nature that I now have. When did I get that divine nature, the Spirit of God? At salvation. And I didn't get him at salvation to wait one day until I get to heaven. I got him right now so that I can experience Jesus Christ, so that I can, so that I can ex live out these precious promises that he's given me. But, and so I can look at the last part, can escape the corruption that is in this world through lust. Isn't that what we've been talking about? You can escape the corruption of this world in the flesh, this world, Satan, and the devil. You can, you, you can, you can escape that because of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you. When you choose faith over the flesh. So he's, he's, all he's doing is exactly what I just did in the beginning, but he's doing it in a lot more old English and cool way. He is telling you that he's reviewing the promises of salvation. But then secondly, Peter is going to remind them of the process of sanctification. I'm not going to spend the time that I even did right there on that one. Because... Verses 5 down through the next few verses is kind of his form of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'll read them, but I'm not going to stop on all these. But watch what he says. He says, beside this, giving all diligence. He said, you're going to have to work at this. It's, you have to trust God. It's not going to be easy. Why won't it be easy? Because the world, the flesh, and the devil. But giving all diligence, add to your faith. That's another word for grow. He's saying grow in these areas. Virtue. And to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, there's one of our fruits of the Spirit. And to temperance, patience, there's another one of our fruits of the Spirit. It was long-suffering. And to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, it's like gentleness. And to brotherly kindness, charity, that's love. So he's saying, add to your faith. This is the process of sanctification. When all of those things that he said at the beginning, when you get all of the promises of salvation and you understand that, lived out in your Christian life, then you begin to grow. And that's what we've been after. What we've been after is so that when you leave here on a Sunday, on a Monday, you're not defeated by the world, this flesh, and the devil, but you can actually grow. You can actually experience Jesus on an afternoon of a Tuesday. You don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till Sunday and say, man, I just want that exciting feeling I get worshiping God. Hey, you can have it on Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Just worship God. Spend some time enjoying His presence. Get into the Word of God and pull out a nugget or two and let it change your week on a Thursday at 6 p.m. It doesn't matter. 
God's promise is true. I'm not saying don't go to church. Church is a commanded for us to be there. We need to worship God collectively together. But what I'm saying is worship isn't confined to Sunday this time. Worship is to be all the time. And if we think worship's only going to be on Sunday, then heaven's going to be miserable because we're going to worship for all of eternity. And that doesn't mean we're going to sit on a cloud and just sing all the time. But there's going to be a constant attitude of worship. And so he reminded them of the process of sanctification. But here's where I wanted to get to. Not the verse yet, though. I'm going to get to that verse. But here's where I wanted to get. Because I want us to see finally the, that Peter revealed the product of sanctification. If you truly take up everything that we've said for these nine weeks and you say, you know what, I'm going to do that. I want to, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want to grow at the very, if you, you're going to start to see some things in this area right here that are going to start to happen. And here's some of the products that you're going to see. Look at what the Bible, look what Peter says. Look at what he says, starting in verse 8. For if these things be in you, the truths that we've been talking about, the fruit of the Spirit, all this that we've been talking about, if they're in you and they abound, that means they are just overflowing in your life. So it's not just Sunday, but they're abounding all the time. They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's for he gives us the first two things here. What, is, what does it look like to live beyond Sunday? What is it going to do for you? Number one, you're going to be useful. You're going to be useful. He says you won't be barren. You think of a barren field, a field that just will not produce anything. That's a useless field, is it not? And so, now somebody could say, well, you could build a house. Okay, all those things. But as far as a field that's supposed to produce, in their day, then there's no Walmart to go get your processed food. I mean, you need a field that's going to actually produce something and a, fruit, and a field is just absolutely barren. You're going to look at that field and at some point you're going to say, that field is useless. And here's what he says here. When you and I choose to live out everything that we've said you will not be barren in your christian life it means you are going to be useful to god and that is our purpose god has put us here to be used for him for his glory if not he would have just taken us out of here at 12 years old when i prayed and accepted jesus my savior he's just been like boom you're up to heaven you're with me but he left us here because he wants us to be useful but unfortunately, a lot of Christians go through their sanctification time and they are useless. I don't mean that in an insulting way. I just mean because they don't embrace everything that they have in Jesus. And so they just wander around useless. But he says, if these things are in you and abound, I mean, beyond just Sunday, but I mean, they are abounding in your lives, you will neither be barren. You're not going to be useless. And then he ties that with the next one that I'm going to say, nor unfruitful. You see, when you are being used by the Lord, he's saying you're also going to be fruitful. You see, if I'm, when I'm doing something, I, I hate to do something and then there's just nothing comes of it. You know, you spend, imagine spending hours trying to get a project done and you get done and you, you've literally made no progress at all. I mean, nothing's happened, no, nothing changed. It's just, you just wasted four hours. And what he's saying is, when you choose to live out the principles that we've been talking about, the blessings of salvation and the promises of, uh, of this sanctification, this whole process, what's going to happen is not only will you be useful, but when you're being used, you're going to see fruit. So you're going to be like, well, I'm going to go out and be a witness, and you're actually going to see people saved. I'm going to pray, and you're actually going to see answered prayer. I'm going to read, and you're actually going to enjoy reading. 
So there's going to be a result that is positive rather than what we often see. See, what, what, what we often see in our lives is, and I'm trying to get away from this, kind of the negativity of it, but it's part of the typical Christian life, unfortunately, for some, is we're always defeated all the time. And we think that there's no hope. Like, well, I pray, but it's just kind of like, pff, nothing happens. I read, but it's just a, I don't even understand it. Which is kind of, that's going to happen. I'm not saying you're going to understand every word that, when you read, but we just get so discouraged. And we feel like we're useless. But the problem, the, what you're going to start to see is when you start to apply these truths and, and are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and when you start to, all of the sudden, now you are seeing fruit. That's why you see some of these, I think of, uh, I think of Jacob Hamilton down at PCC. That kid is like fruit is flying off of his tree everywhere. I mean, this guy is just excited about the Lord. There was a time when we'd almost have to pay him to come to church. It seemed like, like, hey, Stop. I mean, just come to church, okay? Just get on the bus. What are you doing? It's going to help you. Ah, oh, I don't know. I want to go play basketball. And now this kid is, uh, he listens to the podcast. I'm going to say this jokingly, Jacob, but he's borderline annoying, all right? I'm just saying, I'm kidding, Jacob, when you listen to the podcast. I'm just, he, but he's, it's, he's so excited about the Lord. Where is that coming from? It's coming from the fact that he's experiencing Jesus and it's changing his life. He's seeing fruit, and he wants to keep seeing fruit. Now, some people are going to sit back and criticize that and say, oh, yeah, you know, you know who, who's the greatest criticizers? Those that just live in their flesh. And they know they should be doing that, and they're not. So it's easy to tear someone down rather than just actually try to experience Jesus. And so he's excited. He, he's coming back. And I'm thankful for the excitement in his life. There's others like that. But when you start to, when you start to live out these truths... You experience Jesus, so you're not useless, and you're fruitful in your life. And then, you know what? Another good part of this is you're not going to stumble. Notice what he, he, has a, he has a pause, though. He has a pause, though, and I'm going to pause, too, because in verse 9 he says, He that lacketh these things, so he that lacketh everything that he said before, the promises of seven, he's a, he that's not growing in his faith, all this, he's, he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And notice this sad phrase. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That's a sad phrase. For someone who chooses maybe to leave this class and say, I, you know what, whatever. I don't care whether I read or don't read. I don't care whether I pray. I don't care if I see any fruit. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to just wait till I get to heaven one day. Thank you for saving me. Whatever. Okay. You're going to get to heaven because our God is a gracious and amazing God. But you have forgotten that you were purged from your sins. That's what he says here. And that purging from our sins was Jesus, the Son of God, dying and, and hanging on a cross, mocked and whipped and beaten and spit upon for none of, nothing wrong that he had done, but everything wrong that I had done. And for me to then go on selfishly, one day going to get to heaven... But living selfishly, not caring if I'm not used of God, not caring if I bear any fruit at all. Just thinking, hey, I got my ticket to heaven. You've forgotten that you were perched. And I would struggle, I'd struggle with that person with that attitude personally. I would think, did you trust Christ? But some do. Some do. And some times and even I think in my life in my high school days many times I lived very selfish 
Many times in my adult times, I've lived very selfish. So he has a pause there, but then he gets back to these the product of sanctification. If we truly live this, he goes, Rather, therefore, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. What is he talking about here? He's saying, not only will we be useful, we'll be fruitful, but you're not going to stumble. You know what I see a lot of times in Christian lives and I counsel and talk to people in the past and, and sometimes currently, there's a lot of Christians that are stumbling. By that I mean they just doubt. They doubt whether they're really saved or am I not saved. Some of you may be coming to this class and you you were kind of wondering, you think you're saved and you remember the time that you got saved, but then you're like, man, I just put up because of this, I just doubt sometimes whether I'm saved. That is actually a more common thing than you think in churches. But why is it that so many people doubt their salvation that are truly saved? Here's the, here's the absolute answer. Because they're failing in their sanctification process. And because they live defeated by sin so often, they start to think, maybe I'm not saved. When rather, when, when you talk to them, they, can, they have a clear testimony of salvation. So then where I end up in counseling is everything I've said to you in nine weeks, but I do it in about a five-minute time when you try to say, hey, no, you just got to deal with that sin and trust God in the sanctification. Experience Him. And so you won't be doubting. So when you're growing... And when you're being used of God and when you're seeing fruit in your life, that doubt just begins to fade away. All of a sudden, you're not worried, am I really saved or am I not saved? That stumbling and doubt is gone. It's removed because you're seeing fruit in your lives. You're being used of God. And so now, you, there's no more doubt. But here's the one I wanted to get to. I absolutely love this verse. Look at verse 11. I, you, next time you hear it, now last time, did you guys notice last week I said anytime you hear meekness, a preacher say on meekness, he's going to give an illustration of a horse. And what did dad do? Not an hour later, he said meek, and then he gave an illustration of horse. So if he preaches on this message right now, then there's something going on in me that I don't understand, all right? We're, we're synced up in a way. But verse 11, <clears throat> I love this thought. It's Peter. He knows he's going to die soon, and I'll show you that in a minute. But he says, he's just talked about salvation He's just talked about sanctification and all the benefits. You're, not, you're going to be used. You're going to be fruitful. You're not going to stumble. But then he talks about, he gives us a glimpse, a glimpse of this right here. This thing that I said we got to stop focusing on to grow, but now we're going to focus on it because it's the end of our series. One day we are going to get to heaven. One day we're, this part's going to be done and death's going to come and we're going to be in heaven. What will that initial moment be like? Well, Look at verse 11. Verse 11, he says, For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly, where? Into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you know what that phrase means? F.B. Meyer is a great guy. Here's what F.B. Meyer said. This is the verse we've been getting at. Here's what I've been saying. Let's not waste our years on this earth. Let's live for God. And he is saying, Peter is saying, live for God because one day when you do, an entrance is going to be ministered unto you abundantly. And I'm going to explain those words. But here's what F.B. Myers said. The old time writer, he said, he wrote, he said, this an idea of an abundant entrance was really a choral entrance. The idea was of a Roman conqueror coming into his city, welcomed by singers and musicians who would join him in glorious, happy procession into the city. And then he asked his congregation, he said, will, you, will, your, will your entrance be like that? Will you enter, save so as by fire? That means, will you enter just like, hey, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, I'm here. Whew. He says, will it be so as by fire, or 
Will you receive a reward? Will you come, and this is a convicting phrase, will you come unrecognized and unknown? Or be welcomed by scores and hundreds who have been by the means of blessing and who will wait for you. You know what he means by that? He says, when you get to heaven, will there be an entrance, a quarrel-like entrance into heaven one day because of what you've done for Jesus Christ? And all of those that your lives have influenced will be there. It's not about us in heaven, but what this is what Peter said. This is the words Peter used. Will there be that entrance of those or will, in a sense, F.B. Meyer said, you be unknown? You know, by that it means, will there be a time when you get to heaven and you get to see some people and you say, hey, there's Russell. There's Russell. I don't know what getting to heaven's like, so let me be, think for a second. But there's Russell. He led him to the Lord when he was 88 years old. There's Ethan, his nephew. There he is he was when he was 12 years old. There's Johnny. I remember when they were 33. There they are. Or they, oh, look over there, and, and just, there's Susie. There's Bob. Will there be this entrance into heaven where you're welcomed by, whether, I don't know what he means here, this abundant entrance. It was a glorious entrance. Will there be a standing ovation when you come, not because of what you've done, but because you've given your life to Jesus and you've allowed Jesus to work through you? Or will you approach heaven saying, and Jesus saying, welcome, but there's no lives that you've touched. You lived your sanctification years for yourself. And so you get to heaven, and Jesus in his amazing graciousness and nail scars hands welcome you, but there's nobody there that you've touched. There's no lives. And in some cases, even our kids. No one. You see, there's going to be a time when we are judged in heaven, and we're judged based on our works for him, and we will take crowns and cast them back at his feet, but there will be some sitting there like this. Because during these times in our sanctification process they chose to yield to their flesh they chose to let Satan win and they chose to embrace the world and now they're in eternity their 75 years is done and they're looking at Jesus face to face and I don't think he'll use the word sanctification but he says and we're going to see this in the next parables in the next three, four weeks, five weeks. He's going to say, give an account for what you've done. And here's what some will have to say. I've got nothing. Thank you for getting me to heaven. But I've done nothing. What a sad testimony. But my prayer is that we would have this, verse 11, an entrance so we minister unto you abundantly like the Roman choir singing to their soldiers coming back from war, as you and I take that cross from this life to the next life, my prayer is that when we get there, they're singing praises to God and they're worshiping God and they're welcoming us because we are like soldiers that are coming off the field on this earth that have been battling and fighting against Satan and trying to win people to Christ and trying to be fruitful. And now we're taking our last trip and we're into heaven, and they're welcoming us like soldiers that have been fighting for the kingdom on this earth. That's my prayer for this class and my prayer for my own life. Don't live your life selfishly. Live your life for Jesus Christ because he died for you in a very selfless way. Let's pray.